Father, thank you so much for bringing us into your house this morning. Is it a joy? It is a joy to sing your worship, sing your praises in worship. Is it a joy to see our friends we've not seen since last week, many of them, Lord, to be in fellowship? It is a joy to hear the truth spoken from this stage in the reading of your word and soon in the preaching that will come. So thank you, Father, as we come into these doors away from a broken world, God. Brokenness in our homes and families sometimes. Brokenness in our communities. Brokenness in our nation, in this world, Lord. There's darkness all around us, but in here we find light. In here we find light, Lord. So hold us fast, God, against despair. Hold us fast against sorrow. Hold us fast against temptation. Hold us fast against distraction this morning, God. That we can bathe in your glory. That we can bask in the goodness of your word, Lord. May those who know you come to know you more, come to love you more this morning. And for those here who don't know you, Lord, let this be the morning, God. Let this be the morning that you speak into their heart, that they might come to know you, that they might come to love you and know an everlasting hope that can only come from you, God. We thank you, God, for the truth of your word, the truth of the gospel that says, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and took our place that we might be saved, God, that we might not be slaves to our sin. Thank you for that truth. Thank you for loving us as you do. Please bless Richard now as he preaches. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Last Wednesday afternoon around 1.30, I walked into Chick-fil-A <clears throat> Ordered my typical number one, um, no pickles. The guy behind the counter when he took my order said, wow, you look like you are having a great day. What's your secret? I said, do you really want to know? He said, yeah. I said, well, I just left a midday prayer meeting down the road on Asheville Highway at our church, and it was absolutely terrific. We did. We had a number of people gather at noon on Wednesday and the Spirit of the Lord was so refreshing that I'm shocked he could see it on my face. Normally, when I leave my time with God, I don't even know if my wife notices. I've never really had anybody ask. I've had people say before, you look sick. Are you not feeling well? <laughs> I haven't really ever had anybody that say, you look like you have been with, with God. Um, prayer, I found, like you throughout my life, to be burdensome and sometimes boring and instead of attempting to work at it and work through it, to push through it, I find myself re retracting from it and eventually to, to give up. Then I'll, all of a sudden I'll read a quote. I'll read an article. I'll read the passage that we came across last week where the Apostle Paul says, Devote yourself to prayer. Prayer is so important that God dedicated an entire book of the Bible on it. You had 66 books, and one of them simply records 150 different times where somebody pours out their heart to God, and God said, I want you to know how important prayer is to me and even how to do it, so I'm, I'm going to pray. I mean, Alex read from that book today, and I, I could read another one because they're just so delightful of helping you get your own anguish out. Psalm 61, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than and I. 
You were made to pray. It's a design issue. There's a God. He loves you. He wants to live in your body. He wants you to live in his house like forever. And the umbilical cord between now and you seeing him face to face is prayer. It is the root and fruit of a relationship with God. Prayer is how we express our delight in God. And it's how we develop delight in God. By If you don't know somebody, <clears throat> let me say, wait, if you do know somebody, you talk to them because you love them. If you don't know somebody, you learn about them like we do every Sunday here in the lobby. I see your conversation. You learn about them by talking to them. Prayer is how we, we cling to Christ. God speaks to us through his word. <clears throat> Might look at that a little bit next week. God speaks to us through his word. And our, our response to God is our clinging, reaching back and, and clinging And it is that clinging to Christ that enables you to resist the powerful torrent pull of sin. Because I'll tell you this, you cannot pray and sin at the same time. You've heard it before, either prayer will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from prayer. But listen, I'm an expert in this sin and stuff. And I'm telling you, you If you're being tempted and you start praying, that temptation decreases. If you give in to that dark, disobedient area, the only way you can do it is you have to stop talking to God. You can't pray and sin at the same time. For the past month or so, we focused on prayer. And, you know, we've gotten lots of responses with text and emails your, your soul is encouraged. And some people are saying, my, my life is completely changed. My prayer life is completely changed. And yet all of us probably have said in this month, we've experienced moments where we've left here, sort of energized, sort of jacked about prayer. And then before the sun sets and the new week begins, everything gets crowded and you say prayer gets hard. Again, so I want to conclude the series on prayer today by telling you that if you struggle in prayer, I sort of want to encourage you by saying you're not abnormal. It is, it is the normal human response to struggle in prayer. You have a disorder that mars your ability to talk to God, so you are normal. The Bible describes our fallenness as In Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you just need to sort of learn a new theological word. We're fallen. That is, every one of us, like Adam and Eve, perfect relationship with God, talking with God was easy. And then when they gave in to sin, rebelled against God, they brought such damaging effects into their life and into this world that now every human being after Adam and Eve is living at a level much less than God intended. That's what it means to be fallen. So let me encourage you today by by you coming into this house and telling you, you are subhuman. (laughs) There's never been, listen, the only, since Adam and Eve, the only perfectly full, fully human person has been Jesus Christ. Everybody other than Jesus Christ, you and me, we are sub below the mark that God intended right there 
in Romans 3.23. What does it mean to be a full human being? Jesus showed us. For Jesus, knowing and serving God was more satisfying than any pleasure or reward on earth. And this is what it means to be fully human. Jesus knew from his first breath till his last, I just want to know and serve God above all other things. And you and I, we might have glimpses of that. Probably when you're in church, you feel a little bit more like that, like nothing's more really important than this. Just singing is just, it's like my greatest delight. But then all of a sudden, there are other things that come along during the week and tell you, this is more important than God. And you do it. That's why we are subhuman. Or another way to say it, we struggle to pray because we have a disability. Somebody with a disability can look at a thing, maybe like a sport, and, and know that it's right and know that it's good and know that it's enjoyable, but because of their disability, not able to really do it. Or it takes more effort for them to do it. So we have a disability called fallenness, and that's why we struggle to pray. But I said all of that to let you know that because you struggle to pray doesn't make praying wrong. This is huge. Just because something doesn't feel natural doesn't mean that it's not right. So I think the, the main downfall of Western culture, certainly the American church, is we've gotten duped into this. You know, somebody at point, some, some point said it, that a whole bunch of people begin to believe it, that when Christ calls you to do something, it's not going to be difficult. And if it is difficult, he must not be calling you to do it. And it's just almost like paralyzed the entire American church, living on this, looking that it's going to be easy. And I don't know where this mentality would work with any other sphere of life. I, I mean, I, would, I don't know of an athlete who would say, if this is hard and not natural to learn a new skill, it must not be right. I don't know any person in a student in medical school that would say, this is so hard and unnatural, it's not right. A mother, I can't imagine a mother saying it's so hard to give unselfishly for 28 hours a day, it must not be right. I know they're 24 hours. Some of you, right, I just want to know you made a mistake at that point, it's 24 hours. You know, a few weeks ago, we went into this, <clears throat> this verse in John 15, 4, sort of where this whole thing started, where Jesus said, abide in me. And there's like schools of writers who say abide in Christ means to rest in Christ. No, it doesn't. Word doesn't even mean, it's not even close to rest. Yeah, abiding is resting in Christ. Abide means to remain. Big difference between remaining and resting. And we saw that in a story that I told of a group of sailors on a ship. They were scared the ship was going to be capsized. They wanted to jump off the ship. And Paul, who was in charge at that moment, said, stay, abide on the ship. Acts 27, remain, same word, John 15, abide with the ship. That's not resting. Well, you know what that is? That is, you've got to be disciplined right now, men. 
Everything within your body says, I want to jump off this ship. And it takes discipline to stay on a ship when your body is saying jump. It's not resting. It's, 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 it's disciplining your body to do what it doesn't want to do in that moment. Now let me tell you, the discipline of staying on the ship, their discipline did not save them. The ship saved them. But the discipline kept them near the ship. So I want to tell you, it takes discipline to be in the will of God. That's what Paul told Timothy. Discipline, and I think I'm going to preach on this next week, not sure, but at least lay it out there. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Let me tell you why discipline is necessary in this whole thing of prayer. Just in case you had not got it yet. Why? I mean, talking to God should be cool. I mean, really, talking, that should be like, why is it not cool for me? Here's the answer. Two answers. The devil hates prayer. Answer number one. Our fallen bodies are not particularly attracted to it either. It's going to make prayer hard. Therefore, without discipline, we will seldom experience the power of God in prayer. So you got Satan working against you. you got your fallen body working against you. You have to discipline yourself in order to, to pray. Only the grace of God can produce a prayer-loving heart, yet no one drifts into prayer without effort. So you're normal. If you think this stuff is really requiring some effort. So what I want to do in landing the plane on our prayer series is provide you with some strategies by which you can take your effort and form strategies to help you pray. Before we look at those strategies, though, I want to sort of answer number one question that often comes when you start talking about strategies, and that sounds all cold and mechanical. I want to ask a question before we look at any of the Five strategies. Should I pray spontaneously or with a strategy? Thank you for asking, studio audience. And the answer to that is yes. Relationships thrive on spontaneity. They're good. If you had a relationship like with your wife or your husband, and the only time y'all talked is, only when we schedule conversation. That's not much of a relationship. So spontaneity. Listen, I get the spontaneity award for marriage two days ago. We needed a prop. Well, we are, our staff was filming something uh, sort of semi-silly, very silly actually. Uh, and we needed a prop. And on Friday night I said, Lisa, we, I needed a racing flag like they would use at the end of a Daytona 500. I mean, it's not like, where are you going to get one of those? Well, I happen to know somebody at uh, Clements Racing. They build big, powerful engines. And uh, I said, Lisa, let's go on a date. She goes, where? I said, surprise. And so <laughs> we went to Clements Racing. She got to hear an 820-horsepower engine. They were testing it out that day. and So I was spontaneous. Then, after that, I said, let's go eat supper at the Flounder. 
I mean, you know, so there's two spontaneous things I did this week. So prayer can be spontaneous, and, and it's good. But I want to tell you this. If, if, if all you're praying is, listen, spontane, spontaneity, spontaneous prayer for me is easy for me because my mind is very active, obviously. My mind is very active and, you know, sometimes fairly bizarro thoughts in there and, and then some, sometimes very good thoughts, very creative thoughts, very grateful thoughts. So as I go throughout my day, it is easy for me to see something like a guy doing a jackhammer on a bridge, and I say, God, wow, thank you for his hard work's making this bridge usable for me. And I'm always thanking God for people that bring comfort and relief through 21st century work and technology. Spontaneous praying is good, but if all of your praying is only spontaneous, you'll become a shallow prayer. Because you'll only really pray about the things that interest you. So the reason why strategic praying, putting some strategy in your praying is important, you broaden and deepen what you're praying about. So that's why there's a combination of, of both. So what I want to do today is to look at um, maybe five helps, five or six helps of how to form a strategy to pray. Number one, this is going to like take 40% of this remaining time. Because it's, it, it's really the best way to pray. Pray the Bible. This is how, what happens when you're right, reading Bible correctly. You're hearing from God, and what you hear from Him, you respond to Him in prayer. That's how Bible reading works. You read it, and then you say it back to God in your own words. So pray the Bible. We're going to do that today. I'll just show you how I would work my way through the Lord's Prayer, the greatest of all prayers, Jesus' Chief prayer in Matthew 6, where he prays our Father and, and gave us this. He said, this is a model. He said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, let's just take a few phrases at a time. Our Father in heaven. What would I say? What do I say when I open my Bible? Well, you can't pray. Go to Matthew 6. I say, God, thank you for being my Father. Thank you that I get to live in your city forever. I'm included in your family because you sent your son to die on a cross so I could have a place to transfer my sins to him so I would be accepted in a perfectly holy heaven. So I say, God, thank you for being my father. A lot of other things I could say there, but that's, that would be something I would say tomorrow to God. Then, hallowed be your name. That tell God. Your name's the greatest of all. I mean, this week, we're grieving as a country with the death of Kobe Bryant. He's just one of those larger-than-life figures that everybody knows him by Kobe. I mean, who gets to I mean, I'm not really known in the city as Richard. <laughs> like, you know, you go down the movie theater, yeah, I'm with Richard. <laughs> you say with Kobe? Kobe? Everybody knows that name. 
So names are great, and they, they, depict, they depict that things have been done, greatness has been done in association with his name. So when you say, God, hallowed be your name, you say, God, your name is great, and there's really nothing that happens on earth except because of all the power that's associated with your name. I mean, my mind is, I'm, you know, I've read the Bible a good bit in life, so I read that and my mind goes to other verses like Ephesians 3. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Like, like this, is, this verse is saying nobody has a name, God, unless you have a name. I mean, like, nobody exists unless you exist. Nobody has life and breath unless you breathe it out. Just love this. Everybody on earth can trace their origin and their, their existence. Right now, you're breathing to the name, the power that comes out of the name of God. So, we, so, you know, so when, I, when I pray, hallowed be your name, this, I start to cry out. I say, God, your name should be treasured. But it's, but it's not, Lord, your name is belittled. It is resisted, ignored, cursed. I mean, think about the name of God is cursed. And so it breaks my heart to God, I want your name to be honored, hallowed, or how we say around here, applauded. So I begin to pray, God, may your name be applauded. And, I, and again, I just cannot resist. When, I, when my mind is thinking about name, 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 I think about, Colossians 3, whatever you do, think about this, whatever. This pretty much includes, is when, you know, when I get picky, you say, you know what whatever means in the Greek? Whatever. Whatever you do, in word or deed, talking or doing, do it all in the name. There's his name again. Like you just live under the umbrella of the name of Jesus. And I want all my activity under the name of Jesus to be honoring to him. So then we go to your kingdom come. For me, this is very personal. I'm like, I mean, this is like, this is where the battle really begins. I mean, God lives in a kingdom of righteousness and light, and there's this battle, you know, the Bible says Satan is the domain, the prince of the kingdom of darkness. So when I see your kingdom comes, I, I, I start naturally think about warfare on this earth. God, your kingdom. I want your kingdom to battle the kingdom of darkness. You know, I read this week, this is unbelievable to me. In the past 17 years, the suicide rate in the United States has increased 40%. You just don't tell me there's not darkness, a new type of darkness in this land. I mean, it's really wicked dark. Movies that are produced, gr gross things that... It, People who pay to watch gross, it's just dark. I think we like dark things, and if people don't know what to do with it, they're just taking their life. And so when I think about the people that are living in this domain of darkness under the rule of Satan, I think, this, I begin to pray, God, get them out of that. That's how I begin to pray. This is, I love this, Colossians 1, for Jesus has rescued us from, or God, sorry, for God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. So I'm thinking, God, bring them in. 
I mean, the Bible says the kingdom of God in Romans 14, 17, the Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. So they're out there in the kingdom of darkness, and I'm saying, God, I want, I want guilty people to feel the joy of purity. I want people that are, go to bed with a teeth-grinding agony to know your peace. I want those without satisfaction to know your joy. I want them to come into the kingdom of the Son that you love. And let me just say at this point, this, this, this type of praying. And, and let me just say, you start to pray. You either view the world as a playground or a battlefield. That will be revealed in your praying. And I heard you know, someone say this week, if angels listen to your prayers, what would they think about your perspective of what the world's really about? Playground, battlefield. So, you know, it's war. Light, dark. The kingdom of God, prince of darkness in his kingdom. Battle. And people living over there in darkness thinking it's like a cool kingdom and going to last forever. And so sad, so sad. So you're praying. And like prayers, you're walkie-talkie. To the commander of all of heaven's armies. That's what you're doing. So I want to say in this type of praying, you probably need to understand that your prayers will sort of go into two categories in, 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 when you're praying for darkness and the, you know, in the kingdom of God to come. You're probably going to pray general prayers and specific prayers. A general prayer would be like this. God, I don't know where in the world right now, maybe on my campus, I don't even know this person. But a student might be thinking about taking their life. God, would you providentially just not let that happen? Send someone or send a circumstance. God, please stop it. Might be a general prayer. I might pray this week, Father, there's a mother stressed out financially, but she's pregnant. And somebody has told her there's not life in her womb, and and and, and there are there are slaughterhouses that want to harm her and her baby, and they want, to, they want to bring emotional pain into that woman's life for years. Sort of like, like they delight in that. I said, God, would you spare her from that? Would you somehow cause her to see a, a billboard for, or somebody to come help her in this time of crisis? Then I would pray, God, if, if she has made that decision, would you lead her to Christ so that she could hear Jesus Christ say, I forgive you, I forgive you, and I, I cleanse you, and I welcome you into my care. So that might be a general prayer. Lord, just protect moms and to-be and, and babies. And, but then there are going to be general prayers where I actually know of somebody that belongs to the darkness. Like I, I know, like I might get a, a mother or a father might come to me and say, pray for my child. They are, they are beginning, they're departing from our, our house into the world and they're living for the world. And so I, I have people that send me prayer requests, pray for this person. Then I get to know that. So I'm praying general, I mean, I'm praying specific prayers of somebody that I know is in the kingdom of darkness. Next in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, your will be done. And 
you know, God, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you how to pray that. I'll tell you how I pray it. It's like really personal for me. It's like, I want, like, God, you created me. I'm, I think I'm supposed to preach. I majored in business at college, and I got to be a senior, and I wasn't interested in interviewing at all in business. I thought his will was, like, teach the Bible. So I don't want to miss that. I mean, every, every honeybee that God has ever created has a purpose of taking pollen to a fruit tree somewhere. Like, bees are really important. Every one of them. And you're important. you got a purpose. And you say, God, I want your will to be done in my life. Your pur- what would you create me for? Like, Lord, how am I supposed to use my mind and my body so that at the end of life I can hear, yeah, good job. That's why you were on earth. How can I be a blessing to others? What are the things I'm best at that will yield joy to others? God, your will. I want to see your will. But even if I don't see it, just guide me into it. Like put the bowling alley barriers on either side so I don't throw a gutter ball. Just don't let me miss your will. I mean, how tragic that would be to live. You get one shot on earth and you didn't do his purpose. What's your will? Then I also pray this with this. God, override my will. I love this one. Lord, even when I'm doing like wrong direction, just stop me. Like, tell somebody to call me. Say, what you doing? Sinning. No, no, really. I'm just saying. Keep me from sinning. But really, I'm saying, Lord, just override my will. Isn't it cool how God lets us use our will to ask him to override our will? But I do. I say, override my will. And make sure that I just end up where I'm supposed to be. Then, fun prayer, give us today our daily bread. If you come to our house, and all of you are invited today for lunch, we'd love to have you. If you come to our house, I'm telling you, when we pray over the meal, that is not a small prayer at our house. We are stunned that there is food on the table. I'm stunned. I, I... We thank the Lord for food and for taste and the strength that's about to enter our body through eating and that we have money to pay for it. I, I, I've, it's my whole life, I sort of had this fear. It's crazy. But I've always thought about, Lord, what if I give out of money? What if there, I just get into my life and there's, I'm out? And so I have to, like, I have to battle that and say, God, I'm 59 years old. You've... You've fed me. You've taken care of me. You're reliable. And so I begin with, like even in this prayer, I begin to recount the graces of God. His providence is in years past that where he's intervened in my life and helped me with needs. And it's just so refreshing. And that's why praying the Bible is so important because you need to pray the promises of God that remind you of his reliability because I'm just, to be very honest with you, this is a hard statement, but a loving statement. When you begin to doubt God's reliability, that's sin. It's dishonoring to God. And it's disabling to you. So I, you need to read the Bible that says God is reliable. Through all the trials, even the hard trials, He's 
He's reliable. So when you get your focus on God's promises, you'll get your focus off of your fears. Then, forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our, our debtors. This, he, I, I love this part of the Lord's Prayer. I, I love walking into that part of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive me. I'm never closer to God than when I'm confessing sin. I feel so comforted. I'm in the presence of somebody who's going to do it. Take it off. So I, I didn't, but this also challenges me about areas maybe that I hadn't surrendered. And God will remind me. Areas I've, I've not let go of yet. Areas where, I mean, for, it, it could, for all of us, it could be a lot of different. It could be bitterness, anger, disappointment, lust, greed. And it, and it doesn't really take anybody but you and God to figure those areas out. He'll, he'll let you know. Lord, but I'm struggling here, so you, you forgive me. Then when you get that right, then you can move on to, Lord, forgive those around me that I, I, I don't like, they hurt me, or they just bother me. I don't know if it's, it's not so much, I, I don't really think I walk around with a lot of fact of people have hurt me. Just people bother me. <laughs> so, Lord, just in, like, you know, you pray this. When I go into my office, this person over here bothers me. Like, there's a little tension between us. Lord, just let me, fill me with a new grace and a new love that I'll be pleasant and I'll be a blessing to them and I will increase their gladness. So you're just thinking others at that point. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Well, this is just sort of a cry. This is sort of just like, God, I can't even afford to let Satan have a foothold in this area of my life. So just make me to see that this is death if I walk toward that. Just scare me and keep me from toying around, you know, that one click on the computer. Just keep me... Just let me remind me I'm dealing with evil here. Evil. And lead me away. Just make me, say, make me see what it is I'm dealing with evil. And then you sort of end it with the way you begin. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So you sort of end it with this. God, there's only one kingdom on earth that's going to last. All other kingdoms which promise me happiness... They were going to go away. And so here, this prayer is like, Lord, just help me to remember it's worth it. Because I'm serving in the only kingdom that's going to last. Don't let me be deceived by thinking this area, no matter how much fanfare I get on earth, it's not going to last. I want to serve in a kingdom that's the only kingdom that's going to survive. So that's praying the Bible. And I told you that was the majority of this. I'm going to close, believe it or not, in, I think I got eight minutes. I did in the first service. Somebody yelled it out. I said, how much time I got left? Somebody said, eight minutes. So it was great. I really needed that. So I'm guessing I'm about the same place. Four other areas, strategy formers for praying effectively. How do you pray? You said, Richard, Richard, how do I pray? Pray through concentric circles. Rather than for me telling you right now, you need to pray for all the missionaries in the world. I don't know them. I would suggest you get to know a few. They're fun when you get to know them, find out what they're dealing with in life. So get to, but if you don't know any, don't pray for them. That's like almost impossible. Start where you are. Pray for me. 
God, you know, Lord's Prayer, that then closest to me would be my wife. And I would challenge all husband and wives, just think if I were to pray for my wife like this. God, Lisa teaches school, school's hard. Would you give her strength? Would you give her joy for what she's doing? Let her know how much I appreciate her for all that she does at school and home. And um, would you so move in her life that the Holy Spirit develops her more and more like Christ so she can have more joy? Would you give her the desires of her heart? And then her praying the same for me. So you pray for your wife, husband, then pray for your child. You know exactly what they're dealing with, their temperaments. You know, you see where they're forming and their, their strong will. This is like here, this is not healthy. Pray for that. Then outside of your family, pray for those closest to you like at work. For me, that's the staff. So I pray for the staff. And then, I, you know, I don't. You know, I don't know all the spouses as well as I know, but in staffing we share about family stuff, so I pray for that, each staff member, and then the spouses and children. And then I pray for elders, my fellow leaders, my, my 12 men who, who lead with me and pray for them, their spouses and children. And then, you know, then my circle goes out a little broader to the church. Like, you know, I can't pray for... You know, the, I can't, again, I can't just do this. I mean, I do a, a general prayer, but then I have specific people. Like last night, I sent out three texts last night, probably around between 10 and 11. Three hurting people. Prayer text. So there are specific people in different seasons that really get a prayer in my larger circle. Then I do begin to pray outside of that for like um, my people that I know, like church planners in India, that I know they're my friends. So they're on my list of concentric circles. So just pray concentric circles and move farther and farther out. Pray with a list. Um, love this quote. I mean, listen. Just share the quote. This is a great quote. John Piper. If you can remember all the people and needs you should be praying for without a list, you are God. <laughs> so, just, you just, so, you know, and you can go on the internet and you could just Google, you know, praying using a list. Some of them are apps on your phone. It may not work for you, it may get too mechanical for you, but for some of you, it might help you remember more, like, you know, going through cards. Because you don't pray for the same people every day. Just have cards. You're going to pray. Because some people tell me, I pray for you every Monday. And I know what they mean by that. That I'm on their Monday list. And I, I, I like that. But you just need to know, when you read the letters of the Apostle Paul at the end, you know what they all are? Lists of people he prayed for. So pray using lists. Paul Miller, you can Google him, Paul Miller on prayer has a good system of the way he does list praying through cards. Pray with others. Listen, if you don't pray by yourself, then praying with others is not going to be a lot of fun because you don't really have anything to bring into it. But I don't want to create a downer on that. I want to show you the upside of praying with others. 
most of the prayers in the New Testament, surprisingly, were not done by people praying alone, but with um, others. Like it's the pattern that God says, this will help you a lot, fallen people. It'll help you, invigorate you if you pray with others. How does that work? When I pray with others, I get fresh glimpses of God. Like, man, didn't think about that. I didn't see that aspect of Christ. And so you have new ways of saying things. And then sometimes I get to be the hero in the group. And I say something that increases the hope of someone else. And then they say something that increases my hope the way they prayed it. Um, so pray, pray with others. And I'm going to tell you one thing I love about praying with other people. When you pray with somebody and, and you pray in a group of people, you don't have to get overly specific. I mean, the smaller your intimacy, you get more specific. You say, God, you know how we all struggle with areas that have a, a stronghold in our life. And I just confess, I'm, I'm struggling. Boy, you have the courage to say that in a group, and all of a sudden you've got a whole bunch of people praying with you, and you're no longer a lone ranger on the battlefield. But you get the whole group praying for you. And they're invigorated by that humility. Your humility will spark their humility. Now, I want to tell you, last Wednesday we launched out this is not, like we're not super spiritual, don't know what God's going to do. But last Wednesday at 12 p.m., because we thought it might work good with business people or moms that are in the middle of the school day, um, uh, and just others who might have a, that don't want to come here at night, just can't, no weekend. We prayed here at 12 o'clock for about a half hour. Some stayed longer, some, some couldn't stay long at all. We came here at 12. Nobody was called on to pray like, you pray. And nope, nope, you pray if you want. Some didn't. Maybe half the group that day didn't. The other half prayed, and they all were so good for me. We're going to do it again this week. Wednesday, 12 o'clock. Just come. If you got 15 minutes, you got 10. I think you will pray better by listening to people pray. And finally, pray with helpful resources. My favorite helpful resource is the Valley of Vision. It is a book of prayers written by old dead guys that uh, lived in the 17th century. But they, they, like, they just, to me, they knew how to talk to God. They just knew how to say it in a way that's like, wow, you really honored God with that, with that phrase. So Valley of Vision helps. And I uh, also want to tell you that, um, I'll tell you this, <laughs> we're going to develop a little help for you coming out from this church that if you would text, like, the word pray, text the word pray on your phone to that number right there, 864-762-4040. That's bigger. Text the word pray to 864-762-4040. You'll all of them I could get put on in a little system that will send out whatever sort of we're thinking about that day, sort of like you might want to pray in this area, or we might even write a prayer, you know, for you. There are some people here that are gifted at that. But we want to just like help you get a prayer on your phone that's sent out by those who are thinking about you and, and, and fulfilling the desires of your heart of leading you to pray. So we've talked a lot about prayer for five weeks. Let's do it now. Father, 
I thank you for these people that you love and invited to live in your city. I thank you that, Lord, for every time they say, Jesus, cleanse me. I believe in your blood. I believe in your resurrection. You'll do it. You'll take guilt off of their heart and place it on the cross, and they're, they're pure. And their guilt is gone. Thank you, Father, that you're going to do that for all those who believe until they arrive on the shores of heaven. Father, we've had a, many of us have had a blessed week. We thank you for that. All the meals and our clothes and our car, our housing. Thank you. And then fun things. In addition to work, Lord, you let us enjoy sports or watching sports. And we've had great emails and texts and funny things and videos. And you just let us laugh. You laughed with us. And then, God, you... Some people this week got really good news from the doctor. Or they're being healed from surgeries. Thank you. They're su some are suffering, but you're caring for them in unique ways. Thank you. But Lord, overall, we are surrounded right now by a city that's not hallowing your name. And they belong to the kingdom of darkness. They're not going to go to heaven when they die simply because they refuse Christ. They refuse to admit that His name is responsible for all good. And His name is the only help to forgive bad. Jesus. We pray for them. We love them. Those in the kingdom of darkness, we love them, and we want you to transfer them today. Transfer them tomorrow into the kingdom of the Son of God. Transfer them. Defeat the powers of darkness that are holding them, betraying them, deceiving them, weighing them down, have them in shackles. Lord, we know there's all sorts of people in those categories, and they'll never be able to leave the darkness unless you intervene in their life. So we're asking you to intervene. Use our prayers. Bring them to Christ and bring us higher and higher in our love for Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.